everyone, this is Megan at Moonfazed in Winchester, Virginia. We are a metaphysical supply and gift store as well as an herbery. We have incense, candles, crystals, and more. And once a month, we also have a full moon night, and it's full of activities and experiences that correspond with whatever moon cycle we're in. We can't wait to see you soon, and give us a follow on our social medias. On Facebook, we're just at Moonfazed, and on Instagram, it's Moonfazed Wink. We look forward to seeing you soon. Bye. Obsessors, oppressors, and possessors. I am your humble host, Alec McCann, and with me as always, Julia McCann. And we are here. We are without fear, and we are fierce. <laughs> All right, Sasha Fierce. Yeah, there we go. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Bye bye, Felicia, and all that. Anyway, uh, we are doing our Bell Witch. Now, uh, for some of you, this will be a repeat, so you can skip this episode if you want, because you tuned in to our New Year's Eve live event, uh, which um, hopefully went down really well. Hopefully <laughs> it went really well. At the time of this recording, uh, it is not even close to New Year's Eve. It is the 13th of December. Yep. And why? Because we were tired of not having an episode really prepared or ready. Um, we did the Krampus episode and had a hard time with it because we were just like, well, this just doesn't have the kind of... The, the information that we had that, that Julia got from her book, it just wasn't the kind of information that we wanted for the episode. Um, so, you know, we had that kind of trouble uh oh uh so we went back and redid it and actually it was one of my favorite episodes yes, to record um, <clears throat> so here we are back again boom 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 alright but, but the, <laughs> this episode oh man that was so cute he was singing all that Adam <laughs> Uh, but this uh, this episode is a repeat of the Bell Witch live episode. You will hear the same information. Uh, it doesn't have any kind of different information. So if you watched the live episode, uh, then you can skip this episode. If you didn't watch the live episode, stay with us because this is a pretty <coughs> creepy story. Um even by just thinking, okay, well, they didn't know certain things back in the time that this took place, uh, which is like the early 1800s. Um, and yeah, you're right. They didn't know a lot of things, and they were a lot more superstitious. But the things that happen in here, the witnesses uh, say happened, it doesn't matter what you know and what you don't know. It's weird. Mm. It's weird. 
Um, and it is, uh, we've talked about doing this episode, and I thought this would be perfect. Uh, it's the Bell Witch episode. Um, so, Americans continue to affirm their fascination with the unknown by making, you know, scary movies. You've got paranormal podcasts, paranormal shows, uh, live ghost hunts, you know, a, a favorite modern pastime. <laughs> But despite the frights and thrills, such movies and events bring, uh, bring about, people want something more. They want something different, something that intrigues them. They want to be a part of the process, something like a, a mystery, something they can focus on and give intelligent thought to. Enter well-documented, well-researched historical hauntings where serious, unbiased researchers... <laughs> pave the way uh, for learning so that people like you, like me, can draw their own conclusions. Now, I am, I am typically not one of those that's like, let me draw my own conclusions from evidence you gathered. I'd rather get evidence from myself. That's why I remain skeptical, because I... I want to witness what you're saying is happening so that I know nothing's been tampered with. I want to buy the equipment from the store that you say is reputable. Or, or I do the research and say this is reputable. This is something right. that, you know, uh, do the research in the electronics, things like that. You know, stuff so that I know nothing's being tampered with. That way, if we do catch something, I know this was real versus well how do i know i overthink things is what it is you do i overthink things quite a bit but i would just uh, i do too but not the same things as you <laughs> no no i overthink ridiculous things but that's just how it is you know i i don't like to draw my own conclusions from other people's evidence now i will watch ghost adventures or something like that and be like oh that's weird uh i've been trying to get into the black blackwell is that the yes movies i've been watching those and i don't know if it's based if it's someone actually investigating or if it's supposed to be scary i don't know i don't know either i can't stay awake for it it's interesting but it take it's it's definitely a slow burn, and I think that's what most. That's your food. Still, oh, the food I'm making. Yeah, oh. the crock pot. The onions. Yeah. Burning my eyes. Uh, now the legend of the Bell Witch centers on the gel, or <clears throat> centers on the John Bell family of Red River, Tennessee, which is uh, now Adams, Tennessee. Um, and the spiritual haunting they endured between 1817 and 1821, which is quite a bit of change, quite a bit of time to be going through ghost stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, he agrees. Unlike many films and ghost stories, the early 1800s Tennessee haunting involved real people and places. No one has yet solved it or even come close. Uh, these distinctions led Dr. <laughs> really? But look how good he's being. I know, but man. Uh, Dr. Nandor Fodor, what a name, a noted lawyer turned parapsychologist to call the legend America's greatest ghost story. And after doing my research on this, I gotta agree. Like, Amityville is terrifying. 
the Lindley Street haunting we yeah. was weird and creepy. I liked that one. Um, the Perrin family haunting <laughs> scared him. Apparently. I know that's gonna mess with our audio. Okay, buddy. Here. Um, but the the Perrin family haunting, you know, it's scary and it's just it's gonna get scarier as time goes on. Uh, as each Halloween passes, more things are going to yeah. happen uh, with the information I share. But uh, this story in particular, because they didn't have anything to measure EMF or, or even ghost hunters per se. They had the witch hunters, yeah. which look how reliable they are. Uh, is, uh, they're, uh, they're, they're right up there with the uh, doctors of Nostradamus's day that their doctorate would be obtained if you were able to look at poop. Not microscopically either. Remember, they didn't have microscopes. They just, you looked at poop to determine sickness. It's weird. Yeah, and and not medical at all. Like, yeah, okay, you can, no, you can like look at poop and be like, okay, there are worms, you've got a parasite. Or you can look at poop and be like, well, you've got diarrhea. You're gonna die in two days. colors, if it floats, there's all kinds of things. Yeah, but that's not stuff that they would have known back then. Maybe. They were digging through poop. <laughs> oh, I don't care what you say. They were digging through poop. And that is not something a doctor should do. Labs work? Sure. But they didn't have labs back then. They had, I'm going to take my fingers, and keep in mind, don't know anything about bacteria or germs yet. Gross. I'm going to take my fingers, I'm going to dig in and look, and oh, look at that. I bet you're sick because there's corn. Corn Wallace. Corn didn't go through your digestive tract. Gross. Oh, I'm sorry. Corn didn't go through your body. Your stomach didn't eat it. Corn must be a vile thing to you. Or what if the doctor looked at that and said, oh, you didn't. Corn's a holy food. It's yellow like the halo and holiness of God. You didn't process it. You're a witch. You must be possessed. You're a witch. <laughs> we gotta burn you. No, um, but... Uh, you fast forward 200 years from uh, this event, uh, and the Bell Witch legend is still making waves. There are numerous Bell Witch books, several Bell Witch movies and documentaries, and there are also uh, several more things in the works. Regardless of whether the case's origin was spiritual or human, it remains an epic classic haunting and a who's-done-it mystery like no other. Now, the purpose of the Bell Witch story um, uh, presented below is to provide a brief overview of the legend. It's not going to be like this, you know, all-encompassing. I'm not going to have full details of everything that went on. The, the, if you want a full account of the Bell Witch legend... Uh, from, like, North Carolina to Tennessee to Mississippi from the early 1800s to present day, uh, including, like, annotations, charts, footnotes, historical endnotes, discussions, basically everything that you could possibly want. Uh, you can go buy a signed, personalized copy of The Bell Witch, the full account by Pat Fitzhugh, which I don't care if we get a, a full signed account, but I would like that book. Me too. Um by Pat Fitzhugh. You can also get the book from Amazon and other retailers. 
if you have questions about the legend that are not answered uh, during this podcast, please ask the uh, people at the Bell Witch site. Um, who it, that site is owned by Pat Fitzhugh. Uh, and uh, your questions about the legend, and he will get back to you, or they, they will get back to you. Uh, I don't know if Pat's Pat fits he was a man or a woman. Pat could be Patricia or Patrick. Patrick, who knows? Not I. Said the, the fly. Cat. Oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Sadness is in his face. Sadness is in his face. Hey, look at this. Ooh, what is that? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. He's got something there. Uh, now, the, uh, the story that we get here uh, is the classic version, covering only Tennessee and the 1817 to 1821 period. That's all we're going to cover. Okay. It is <laughs> only five years. Right. What, what? Did you hear that? What, did it sound like a train? No, well, it sound, I don't know. It sounded like something falling, but it sounded like a bucket, like an empty bucket falling. Oh, yeah, I hear it too. Sounds like it's coming from over there. Hmm. I don't know. Um, we live in the woods. It could be an animal for all we know. It is. Where am I? Oh, yeah. So we're covering five years or so of information, but four years. Four years of information. <laughs> I'm dumb. Four years of information. But again, this happens for a good bit of time. It's only a story and very controversial one at that. For uh, research historical information pertaining to the legend's characters, you can uh, see the real chart biographies on the website we, uh, where I got my information. So here we go. <clears throat> The Bell family prior to the haunting. In the early 1800s, John Bell moved his family from North Carolina to the Red River bottom land in Robertson County, Tennessee, settling in Red River County, uh, or Red River Community, which later became present-day Adams, Tennessee. Bell purchased some land and a large house for his family, and over the next several years, he acquired more and more land, increasing his holdings to about 328 acres of farmland, and he cleared a number of fields for planting. He also became an elder at the Red River Baptist Church. John and his wife, Lucy Bell, I almost said Lucille, uh, <laughs> Lucy Bell had three more children after moving to Tennessee. The Bells had a very happy and successful early life at the Red River Settlement. I don't know how many children they have when they came to Tennessee. Um, but they've got three and at least one more. Okay. And we have some depictions. Uh, I got some pictures I'll send your way so you can put them up on Instagram of just, uh, this is the Bell family homestead. Uh, it's like a etching for a newspaper that they did. Yeah. Uh, so that's, cute house. it is cute. I, like it, I, had a farm house. I believe it's gone now. Now the... <laughs> son had a house that I think is still there was no sense in that the son has a house I believe that is still up so one day in 1817 John Bell was inspecting his cornfield when he encountered a strange looking animal sitting in the middle of the corn row 
Shocked by the appearance of this animal, which had the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit, Bell shot several times. The animal vanished. <laughs> this was the first documented manifestation of the entity. <laughs> oh, that was the best time scream I've ever heard. Uh, um, Bell thought nothing more of the incident, at least not until after dinner. How could you think nothing more of that? Right. What kind of world do you live in where it. you see a giant dog rabbit, you shoot it, and it's just gone? Yeah, I would think about it all the time. Right, I'd be like, ah. Like, it's like, oh, he didn't think anything of it until dinner time. And then that evening, <laughs> the family began hearing beating sounds on the outside walls of their logged home. Oh, not logged. Log. <laughs> they have a log, log home. home. The mysterious sounds continued with increased frequency and force each night. <laughs> Bell and his sons often hurried outside to catch the culprit, but always returned empty-handed. I was waiting for I it. I was too. I thought he had it. Uh, in the weeks that followed, the Bell children began waking up frightened, complaining that rats were gnawing at their bedposts. Not long after that, the children began complaining of having their bed covers pulled from them and their pillows tossed onto the floor by the seemingly <laughs> invisible entity. Good timing again. Yeah. Now, here's what's interesting is that is a trope of every demonic haunted house movie that is there. Paranormal activity, yeah. taking the blanket, uh, then taking the foot. Conjuring, the very first Conjuring movie, they take the blank. I think the second one did the so. same one. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the third one did that, but the third one, honestly, I didn't care for it. I don't remember, but I'm sure they did. They probably did. It's, I mean, everything does it. Ex I think The Exorcist did the same thing, like edged the blanket down. I don't like that movie. It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> you liked the show. All right, so. Um, the show was awesome. It was good. So, and this is apparently a an entity allegedly turned a man into a mule. Oh. Somehow, uh, we'll get we'll get that up. That's connected to the uh, the Bell Witch as well. We may even find out about it. As time went on, the bells began hearing faint whispering voices, which, you know, creepy. Uh. They were too weak to understand, but sounded sounded like a feeble old woman singing hymns, which, if you're being haunted, that's just sinister. Yeah. Thanks, son. Uh, the encounters escalated, and Belle's youngest daughter, Betsy, Betsy Bell, began experiencing brutal encounters with the invisible entities. Uh, it would pull her hair, slap her relentlessly, often leaving welts and handprints on her face and body, the disturbances about which John Bell had vowed his family to secrecy. Finally escalated to the point that he shared his family trouble with his closest friend and neighbor, James Johnston. Skeptical at first, Johnston and his wife spent the night at the Bell home, and things began peacefully. But once they retired for the evening, they were subjected to the same terrifying disturbances that the Bells had been experiencing. After their bed covers were yanked off and James was slapped, he sprang out of bed, exclaiming, In the name of the Lord, who are you and what do you want? And the entity did not respond. The rest of the night was peaceful. 
The next morning, Mr. Johnston explains to the Bells that the culprit was likely an evil spirit, uh, the kind that the Bible talks about. The entity's voice strengthened. So this dude thought that this was a demon. He said that is clearly a demon. Right. The entity's voice strengthened over time and became loud and unmistakable. It sang hymns, quoted scripture, carried on intelligent conversation, and once even quoted word for word two sermons that were preached at the same time on the same day, 13 miles apart. That's a weird detail. That is creepy. If you're making something up, even in the 1800s, that seems like a really weird detail. Yeah. The hymns, the quoting of scripture, if you said that now, that's it, that screams demonic to me. Right. Uh, like in a mocking way. But never in my life. And maybe maybe that's just what it is. This person, maybe, maybe uh, whoever came up with that was really creative. But my mind wouldn't be like, it spoke two sermons. But how did it know? How did the people know that these sermons were done at the same time? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I can, I can, I can foresee where it could happen. Like someone says, this thing spoke a sermon that I heard when they went to visit Bell, and then another person said they spoke my sermon when I went to go visit them too. Yeah. Uh, like an attention grabbing. I could see that kind of thing, but at the same time, you're thinking it's not going to preach. If they think it's a demon, it's not going to preach. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, word of the supernatural phenomenon soon spread outside the settlement, even to Nashville, where the Major Andrew Jackson, that's right, the General Andrew Jackson, Ooh. became interested in the so-called Bell Witch. Now we get a uh, fun little tidbit. The uh, Bell Witch... <laughs> <laughs> so John Bell Jr., along with his brother Dewey, or Drewy, Dewey, Dewey. <laughs> oh, no. Bell and Jesse Bell had fought under General Jackson in the Battle of New Orleans. A few years later, in 1819, Jackson heard about the disturbances at the Bell home and decided to pay a visit and investigate. As Jackson's entourage, consisting of several men, well-groomed horses, and a large wagon, approached the Bell property, the wagon jolted to a sudden stop. It had become stuck in a muddy creek bed, and the horses were unable to pull it. At least, that was what the men thought. And here's a... Uh, drawn or whatever uh, looks pretty old yeah. of Andrew Jackson coming uh. to investigate the haunting which it's cool that Andrew Jackson's coming to investigate a haunting that is pretty cool after several minutes of cursing and trying to coax the horses into pulling the wagon Jackson proclaimed by the eternal boys that must be the bell witch and then suddenly a disembodied voice told Jackson that they could proceed and that she would see them again later that evening Then, uh, they were able to proceed across the property, up the lane, and to the Bell home. That evening, Jackson told old war stories while his entourage set up their tents in John and Bell's, or John and Lucy's yard. They were just going to camp out. One of the men claimed to be a witch tamer. <laughs> I don't even know how you do that. Yeah! 
Hold up a chair. Nah, yeah. Back up on your pedestal. Jump through this hoop. Witch tamer. After several uneventful hours, he pulled out a shiny pistol and proclaimed that its silver bullet would kill any evil spirit that it came into contact with. He went, well, why didn't they just do that? Why? Silver spears in Judy, uh, Jerusalem. He, done. No evil spirits there. I don't know. That's what Saul should have done when the evil spirit came over him to attack David. Silver. <laughs> um... He went on to say that the reason nothing had happened uh, to them was because whatever had been haunting the bells was scared of his silver bullet. Boy, I hope this dude gets hurt. Oh, immediately the man screamed and began jerking his body in different directions, complaining that he was being struck with pins and beaten <laughs> severely. Yes! That might be the one time I root for a demonic entity. Beat this dude. No, wait. There was another dude. Wasn't it in Lindley Street? I was like, I hope the ghost gets this dude. I don't remember. I feel like it was a cop. Maybe. Um, but he was complaining of being struck. And then a strong, swift kick to the man's posterior region from an invisible foot sent him out the front door. Nice. Angry, the entity spoke up and announced that there was yet another fraud in Jackson's party and that she would identify him the following evening. Now terrified, Jackson's men begged to leave the Bell Farm, and Jackson insisted on saying he wanted to know who the other fraud was. He was like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. She said there's another fraud. I want to know who it is. I want to know who the other fraud is because you're leaving. Mm -hmm. uh, the men eventually went outside to sleep in their tents while continuously begging Jackson to leave. So the whole night they're like, dude, we need to go. And he's like, no, I'm staying. I can't wait. What happened next is not clear, but Jackson and his men uh, and his entourage were spotted in nearby Springfield early the next morning, going back to Nashville. Some allege that Jackson later proclaimed, I would rather fight the British at New, <laughs> New Orleans than fight the Bell Witch. She must have been pretty fierce. Seems like it. The disturbances decreased after the Betsy and Joshua's uh, engagement ended. Uh, oh. I didn't I didn't talk about this. Betsy uh, had found herself a boyfriend and she was going to get married and they were very close to getting married. You know, it's in the betrothal stage, which is what they do. You know, that's practically being married without the without the sex. So why not do this for it, you? Because you're a child. I am. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's being married without the sex and without being together. But you're you know, you're not going anywhere. It's it's. It's serious. It's a little more important than, than engagement. And uh, Betsy was being attacked harder than John was at this point because the Bell Witch said that she wasn't allowed to get married. She wasn't allowed to leave the home. She was supposed to stay there. No idea why. So things start coming down once they end their engagement because of this uh, entity but the entity continued to express uh, disdain for John Bell relentlessly vowing to kill him Bell had been experiencing episodes of twitching in his face and difficulty swallowing for almost a year sounds almost like ALS yeah uh, and the m m 
malady grew worse with time. By the fall of 1820, his declining health had confined him to the house where the malicious entity continuously removed his shoes when he tried to walk. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that would be quite irritating. Oh, man. Can you, and they're slip-ons, so you know he's probably <laughs> falling because the, the, it's taking it out from under him. Um slapped his face when he recovered from numerous seizures. So this dude seizes out and then comes out of it and the ghost is like, what five fingers say to the face? Slap! <laughs> um, her shrill voice was over, uh, was heard all over the farm cursing and chastising old Jack Bell, the nickname she had given him. John Bell breathed his last on the morning of December 20th, 1820, after slipping into a coma a day earlier. Immediately after his death, his family found a vial of strange black liquid in the cupboard. John Jr. sprinkled two doses on the cat's tongue. The cat jumped in the air, rolled over in midair, and was dead when it hit the floor. The entity then be, uh, exclaimed, I gave old Jack. I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night, which fixed him. Ooh. John Jr. tossed the mysterious vial in the fireplace. It burst into a bright blue flame and shot up the chimney. And this is a picture of them testing the cat. That must be before it jumped in the air and died. What a strange reaction. Right. Hey, we don't... We, what just happened? There you go. There you go. Now let's take that off of your hand there. So, no, no, no. Where, does he have a bottle? Oh, something now? All right. Uh, John Bell's funeral was one of the largest ever held in, Rob or held, hound, held in Robertson County, Tennessee. People attended for miles and miles, and three preachers, two Methodist and one or Baptist, eulogized him. You, <laughs> you don't think I could do a good you googly? <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me what a bad you googleizer I was. Oh, man, I love Zoolander. It's so stupid. Oh, it's the dumbest thing ever, but it's so great. Uh, as the crowd of mourners uh, began leaving the graveyard, the Bell Witch entity laughed and sang a song about a bottle of brandy. Her fervent singing didn't stop until the last mourner had left the graveyard. What a piece of really? crap! That's that's almost as bad as the Westboro Baptist. You right? killed this man and then showed up going, I've got a bottle of brandy. I killed John Bell. I put something in this brandy. I'm drinking it up in hell. How rude. Uh, uh, her fervent singing didn't stop until the last mourner left the grave. The entity's presence was almost non-existent after John Bell's demise, as though it had fulfilled its purpose. She hated him. Uh, and there's actually a good reason. Um, we will we will look at that after we get through everything. But there is a, a reason John Bell came to Tennessee. Over time, Betsy Bell became interested in Joshua Gardner, a young man who lived nearby. Uh, with the blessings of their parents, they decided to marry. And everyone was happy. This is the Betsy Bell part of it, the, the marriage that they were going to do. Uh Everyone except the evil, mysterious entity who became furious and repeatedly ordered Betsy not to marry Josh. And this is Joshua Gardner here. Uh, I believe Joshua Gardner there 
um, was played by um, Joshua Hartnett. Uh, you remember H2O? Halloween H2O? I know who Josh Hartnett is. Oh, okay. Uh, he, I believe... In the Pearl Harbor. Oh, okay. Well, that's unfortunate, but um, he was... He played this dude. Um, which is real creepy. Uh, Betsy and Joshua's former school teacher, Professor Richard Powell, had been noticeably interested in Betsy for some time and had expressed interest in marrying her when she became older. Whoa. Creepy. Uh-huh. Now they roll Joshua into this dude. Um... By some accounts, Powell, who was 11 years Betsy's senior, was a student of the occult, ventriloquism, which makes him super evil. Right. You're playing with a dummy, you're super evil. Creepy. Uh, Dummies are creepy. A mathematical genius. This dude's a straight-up supervillain. He knows the occult. He has a dummy. He's a mathematical genius. He's well-versed in plants and geology. He was going to rule the world. He was secretly married to a woman in nearby Nashville, <laughs> Esther Scott, during the time that he lived and taught at Red River and perceived as a happy-go-lucky bachelor. So he was like, I got this woman 11 miles up the road, but she ain't ever going to know. Terrible. Uh, and he expressed his unwavering fondness for Betsy Bell. According to early accounts, Powell politely expressed his disappointment with Betsy's engagement to Joshua and wished her a long and prosperous marriage. Yeah. At least he's a gentleman about being a pedophile. I guess. Betsy and Joshua could not go to the river, the fields, or the cave to play without the entity nagging them. What are you going to these places? Why? I thought this was the 1800s. They weren't allowed to go places. Right. What's his deal? I don't know. This is awful. The constant pressure was more than Betsy could handle. And on Easter Monday of 1821, she met Joshua at the river and broke off the engagement. In April 1821, shortly after Betsy Bell had broken off her engagement, the entity visited John Bell's widow, Lucy Bell, and told her that it was leaving but would return in seven years. The entity returned, or uh, yeah, the entity returned in 1828 as promised. Most of the return visit centered on John Bell Jr., with whom the entity discussed the origin of life. Civilization, Christianity, and the need for a magical spiritual or a major spiritual reawakening. Of particular significance were its predictions of the Civil War and other major events, some of which she missed. The entity bade farewell after three weeks, promising to visit John Bell's most direct descendant in 107 years. The year would have been 1935, and the closest di living direct descendant at the time was Nashville physician Dr. Tr Charles Bailey Bell, a neurologist, and John Bell Sr.'s great-grandson. In 1934, Dr. Bell published a book about the Bell Witch, likely to raise awareness of the spirit's impending return. The book contains the first-ever account of the alleged conferences between the entity and John Bell Jr. in 1828. The author's father, Dr. Joel Thomas Bell, had allegedly taken notes during the conferences and upon his death passed them down to him. 
Dr. Bell published no follow-up to his 1934 book. He died in 1945 and is buried at Bellwood Cemetery in Adams, Tennessee. But did the Bell Witch return, as promised? Some say she did not return, or that if she did, they weren't aware of it, but many say she never left the place to begin with. The entity that tormented the Bell family in the Red River Settlement uh, almost, uh, almost 200 years ago is often blamed for unexplainable manifestations that occur near the old Bell farm today. The faint sounds of people talking, children playing can sometimes be heard in the area, and it's not uncommon to see candlelights dance through the field at night. Photography is especially difficult. Some pictures have taken, uh, some pictures taken in the area show mist, orbs of light, uh, other phenomena, including human-like figures who were not present in the picture uh, when the pictures were taken. Could these phenomena be related to the John Bell family? Possibly. The cause of the Bell's family torment 200 years ago, though, along with today's continued phenomena in the area, although it's a lesser extent remain a mystery. Numerous theories have been put forth, uh, but all have been debunked. However, most researchers agree that something had to have caused the incidents at the Red River in the early 1800s that gave rise to the Bell Witch legend. But who knows? It happened to John Bell in 1817. Maybe it had happened to you. Actually, it probably won't happen to you, and here's why. In North Carolina, John Bell had run amok with this woman named uh, Kathy. Uh, what had happened, it was something about her cows. Her cows had, or it was it was land. I think it was John Bell's cows had come onto her land and started grazing on her land. And uh, he was supposed to pay her money for it, something like that. Something yeah. along those lines. But he didn't. They brought it to the church. The church uh, said, well, John, you knew better. You pay her the money, and uh, you're, I mean, that's just disreputable. So his reputation was ended. But uh, Kate Bell, or Kate, that's what it was, Kate. Uh, not Kate Bell, just her name was Kate. Kate uh, promised vengeance on John. She was like, uh, I think it was Kate Batts, actually. Now that I think about it, I'm thinking about it. Uh, she promised vengeance, and a lot of people think that that is where the spirit came from because as soon as they left, because John Bell's reputation had been ruined, so they left to go to yeah. Tennessee to, so that they could start over, and uh, a lot of people think that Kate Batts wasn't letting that happen uh, because they did have certain things happen in North Carolina that were weird. Yeah. Um, this didn't get into that, but it was along the same lines of seeing weird creatures that shouldn't be there, wolves that were bigger than what they should be. Um, and this didn't even get into the fact that uh, oftentimes Betsy Bell and uh, her brother would hear a wolf in their room at night. Uh, but that that's the short and skinny of it. Uh, the Bell Witch um, had quite a bit of uh, fun in the 1800s, early 1800s. What'd you think? about the story. Yeah. It's interesting. I've always found witch stories interesting. Well, what do you think? You think it's the spirit of a witch? You think it's, uh, you think Kate Batts sent a demon there? Like, why? what specific, like, obviously. Maybe Kate was a witch, and she sent bad things to them, and then when she died, she came. What's really weird to me is how 
how much they were able to get out of the spirit talking wise. Like you watch the yeah. shows, you watch shows now and you can't hardly get us. They get excited if it says a sentence and stuff like that. And most of the time and, it's a word you can't even understand. Right. And this thing was just like, well, let's have a chat. I, uh, I killed Jack, uh, killed him good. Uh, don't get married. You need to stop trying to get married. That's not, a, that's not in your plans. That's not in your plans. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think uh, the fact that this is also, it's gone down in history as also one of the only times that a ghost has been able to take credit for the death of one of its victims. Yeah. Now, uh, we've seen things like, you know, someone, th this thing directly took credit for the death yeah. of, of John Bell. So, uh, there you have it, folks. Um, we do have some uh, Bell Witch evidence from uh, Ghost Adventures when they went. Yeah. So, EVP on a camera, uh, on camera with all the crew in a separate part of the cave, a voice is heard on camera uh, without an EVP recorder saying, listen to me. And I, I watched the episode... I watched the episode, and it does sound like it's saying, listen to me. So, that is cool. Uh, Zach Bagan sat at the entrance of a cave and asked the spirit to manifest itself as a ball of light, and as it did, a voice was caught on the recorder saying, here I come. In a real, creepy. It was a real creepy voice that said it, too. The sensors that they had set up in the uh, circle were going off randomly at intermittent times. Uh, and it were just like these light pods that you, you got close to it, it would go off. So they had a circle, kind of like a, a like a trap set that, you know, if it stepped into the circle, one of the pods would go off. If it left the circle, one of the pods would go off. That kind of thing. Yeah. The Bell Witch has haunted uh, the American... Ah. 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 <laughs> the Bell Witch has haunted the American conscious for a very long time. And it isn't because of some vengeful spirit seeking justice for abuse, abuse victims, as the American haunting yeah. suggests. Uh, no, it's, it's something so small that it becomes quite clear the ends do not justify the means. Because he paid the money back, left town, and still had to deal with this curse that killed him and ruined his daughter's chance at happiness for a good bit. Yeah. And who knows what else it... I mean, we don't know if it came back in 1935, like it said it would. I wish we did. I wish we did, too. Although I have suspect that um, John Bell Jr., if it did visit him, did not discuss things that he said it discussed. I, I feel like that was him trying to capitalize on the yeah. story that, that uh, you know, happened. Um, but there's the tall and skinny of it. Did you have some Appalachian traits that I you wanted? I did not. You did not. Well, we can run... Th we can find some. I'm sure there's some Appalachian things that we can do. While she's looking at that, let me talk about a couple of things. So, um, 
by now our our campaign is there's this oh nice uh, our campaign that was supposed to be hoodies and shirts I don't think it picked up anything at the time of recording this nobody got anything from our campaign um, so we're gonna set up a store on bonfire we're gonna set up an actual store on bonfire uh, it will have items that you can go to you can look at you can buy stuff you can buy merch it'll be stickers it'll be mugs we are going to set up an actual store I'm gonna do that today we are structuring new segments for the episode so that we are more uh, we can give you more quality uh, structure we will always have a baby. Um, unfortunately, we tried to get him to sleep for this episode. It's gonna. It's just what it is. What it is. We're sorry about the baby. Unless we can get someone to sit here with us, right, and hold him, right. But until until such time as that happens, uh, there will be a baby on the show. That being said, because people are crazy. <laughs> that being said. <laughs> Uh, did you find some? I did. All right. Well, hit them. How many would you like to hear? How many are there? Um, let's see. Just a few. I'll all right. So all. give us just a few. Okay. So these are everyday superstitions of Appalachia. Always leave a building through the same door you entered it. Well, that's not a problem for us. Yeah. And I've always been told that even as a child, my grandma and my mom used to yell at me not to go out a door I didn't come in. And I never understood why. But, I, no, no offense <laughs> to your mom in case she ever listens to this. But, um, she goes outside on the porch to smoke. But then she goes back in that door. But she goes out that door. But she doesn't come into that. She yeah. comes in through the back. She comes into the house through the back. Is there like a, a statute of limitation on how long that yes, can be? Oh. I'm pretty sure. Because okay. you can't just only use one door. Okay. Um, if you see a black cat crossing the road in front of you, draw an X in the air three times to avoid bad luck. Do it fast, though. You've got to finish before the cat reaches the other side of the road. That's you asking or telling that cat it's a sexy cat. By three X's. Three X's. <laughs> That's a porn cat. When you harvest apples from a tree, leave at least one to keep the devil away. I've never heard that one before. Isn't the, like, traditionally, I am of the opinion that if, uh, I, I don't think the fruit would have been an apple. Um, I don't think we would have it anymore if, 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 it, but anyway, either way, it's traditionally the apple is, uh, is traditionally the fruit that yeah. Adam and Eve picked, right? I guess. Hmm. <clears throat> If you spill salt, throw a pinch over your left shoulder. Again, this keeps the devil away. Apparently, the right shoulder doesn't do any good. I never knew it was the devil. I just thought it was bad luck not to throw oh. it over your left shoulder. <laughs> Let me just throw my phone, too. Um, let's see. For good luck in the coming year... Which this will be good. Yeah. Um, open your front and back doors at midnight on New Year's Eve to let the old year blow out. Oh, okay. We can give that one a whirl. Yeah. And we get our back door open. This one I've had happen. So when my other grandma died, I got a bunch of her watches, and every one of her watches had stopped working at the same time. Mm hmm. Says when someone died. Well, this says when someone died, you stop the clocks to mark the time and to prevent another death. 
However, I've always heard when someone dies, the clocks will stop. Oh. Which all of my grandma's watches stopped when she died. Um, I'll do two. Like at the time of her death? I'm not sure. We'll do three more. Okay. Maybe four. Let's we've see. got we've got plenty of time okay. on the episode. If you hear a screech out at dusk, someone will die. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We weren't we outside listening for one? Yeah, and then my grandma died. Yeah. Uh, it's bad luck to walk across graves, which I've always just thought it was disrespectful. Not I bad used, luck. I used to not in a not because I was being disrespectful, <laughs> but I used to I used to walk across graves all the time to get home because there was a cemetery behind my development, and I'd rather. You remember where that gas station was where you picked me up for the our yeah first date yeah um. I, that cemetery that was down the road that my grandma lived on, mm-hmm. I lived at that blue house and to get to that uh, area so I didn't have to walk on the road, I would just go through the cemetery and walking across graves was just unavoidable. But okay. I was never disrespectful. If there was a headstone, I definitely stepped over it. Well, that's good. Pregnant women aren't supposed to look at a corpse lest their child be marked. However, it says marking could be in the form of a physical mark, deformity, or mental deficiency or illness. Had anybody died before you had Ryan that you looked at? Your gra- I don't think so. Your, your grandpa? I wasn't pregnant. But is it a mother or a woman? If a mother looks at a dead body? A pregnant woman. A pregnant woman? Oh. Setting an empty rocking chair in motion 